Hey everybody, this is Jim Kilgore, Certified Financial Planning Professional at 401 Advisor. This is our podcast. I'm your host, Jim Kilgore. And before we get started, let's get through some of the housekeeping items. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the show host and should not be construed as investment advice. The information used is believed to be from reliable sources and past performance is no guarantee of future results. We're going to define the different investment strategies out there, and then we're going to discuss our strategy at 401 Advisor. So without further ado, let's get going. It occurs to me some listeners may not know what an investment strategy means. I'm going to start by defining what an investment strategy is, and then we will go through the different strategies. Investment strategy is the way that an investment manager goes about analyzing buying and selling stocks. A manager's self-described strategy provides information on how investment decisions are being made and provides a basis for organizing the investing universe so it doesn't get in the way of pursuing a strategy. In other words, there are so many investments out there. Investment strategy gives the investment manager's focus to find investments that fit that strategy. So there are about 3,300 stocks on the NASDAQ and 2,800 listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Then there's an additional 9,559 mutual funds and then 1,750 exchange-traded funds in the United States. So having that investment strategy is critical to organizing and narrowing down the investments that fit. It's similar to a funnel. You start with over 20,000 investments and then you filter those down to a manageable portfolio. So let's dive into the different strategies that are the most common. Some people have no strategy. It's just randomly buying stocks because you heard or read about it being a can't-miss opportunity. Um, PSA announcement. No one is giving away their best stock ideas for free. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So the passive strategies, uh, you just find an investment you like and you hold on to it for a long time. Passive strategies like buy and hold and passive indexing are often used to minimize transaction costs. Passive investors don't believe it's possible to time the market. Uh, This strategy involves buying a company's shares or funds and holding on to them for a long period. Uh, It's a long-term investment strategy based on the concept that in the long run, equity markets give a good rate of return despite periods of volatility. Uh, This viewpoint holds that market timing is not possible for uh, small investors, so it's better to just simply buy and hold. Now, indexing is where an investor buys a small portion of all the shares in a market index such as the S&P 500 although more likely an index mutual fund or an exchange traded fund. This can be either a passive strategy if held for a long period of time or an active strategy if the index is used to enter and exit quickly. An example of a passive investor uh, would be somebody, let's say we're close to Cincinnati. So GE is a big name in the area because they have been a large employer for many years. And let's say you're a passive investor and you have been for many years. So in 2000, you bought a bunch of shares of GE because, well, they're GE. I mean, who doesn't own something in their house that says GE on it, right? 
In October of 2000, shares of GE were trading at seven or $57 a share. So you've been holding on to the GE stock since 2000, and you just looked the other day, and shares of GE are trading just north of $7. Now, GE is not the only company that's you know, tanked like that. Do you remember names like Borders Books, Pan American Airlines, F.W. Woolworth, Toys R Us, Blockbuster, Tower Records? How about Compact or maybe even Osmobile? Truth be told, active managers monitoring the companies they hold in their portfolios would have seen the trouble these companies were in in advance of their decline and would have rotated out and into other investments. So the active strategies, these are the strategies that really utilize that funnel we talked about earlier, where you're narrowing down all the investment choices into a manageable portfolio. Um, So the first active strategy is called momentum trading. Now this strategy is to select investments based on their most recent past performance. Stocks that had higher returns for the most recent 3 to 12 months tend to continue to perform better for the next few months compared to stocks that had lower returns for the recent 3 to 12 months. Now, there is evidence uh, for and against this strategy. Then you've got value investing, which looks at intrinsic value of a company, and value investors seek stocks of companies they believe are undervalued. Warren Buffett is an example of a value investor. And then you've got growth investment strategy, and that looks at the growth potential of a company. And when a company that has expected earnings growth that is higher than companies in the same industry or the market as a whole, it will attract investors who are seeking to maximize their capital gain. And then finally, you've got dividend growth investing. This strategy involves investing in company shares according to the future dividends forecast to be paid. Companies that pay consistent and predictable dividends tend to have less volatile share prices and they're well-established dividend-paying companies and they'll aim to increase their dividend payments each year. And those who make an increase for 25 years consecutively are referred to as dividend aristocrats. Now, investors who reinvest the dividends are able to benefit from the compounding of their investments over a longer term, whether directly invested or through a dividend reinvestment plan, often known as a DRIP program. Now, if you're an investor, there is a likelihood you or the advisor you hired to manage your money is using one of these strategies. And we recommend, and I cannot stress this enough, that you ask your advisor what their strategy is and see if they can explain it to you. Hopefully they can, but if they can't, it might be time to interview a new advisor. At 401 Advisor, we use the dividend growth strategy because we feel it's a superior strategy, and here are some of the reasons why. These are strong, stable companies with a long track record of success, companies with strong, free cash flow. They've increased their dividend payments even during recessions and after retirement, and it ensures you have increasing income, which gives you a hedge against inflation. And then finally, these stocks tend to be less volatile than the overall stock market in most cases. Now, there are companies out there I alluded to earlier called the Dividend Aristocrats. And if you do a quick Google search, you can find out who they are. Obviously, if you've not been living under a rock, 
You know that our country is going through a tough time with the coronavirus. Companies are laying off employees, cutting stock buybacks, and struggling to pay their debt obligations. Right now could be considered some of the most devastating economic times for many companies than most of us have ever seen in our lives. But the following list of stocks increase their dividends despite what is going on in the world right now. Archer Daniels Midland increased their dividend 2.86%. Digital Realty Trust, 3.07%. General Dynamics, 7.84%. Home Depot, 10.29%. And Ross Stores, 11.76%. Now that's a small example of the most recent dividend increases, but that averaged a 7.16% increase. Now the inflation rate during 2019 was 2.3% according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So owning just this basket of stocks would have ensured your income rose over two times that of last year's inflation rate. This is a podcast, so I can't really show any charts, but I love them. But if you do a Google search for Lord Abbott, and that's Abbott spelled A-B-B-E-T-T, our guide to dividend income in two charts, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about in graphical form from 1976 to 2018. So if you invested $10,000 either in the S&P 500 or the Barclays aggregate, which measures a bond index, your first year's income from the S&P would have been $461. Your final year income would have been $6,520 with an ending value of $358,220. Now, if you'd have taken that same $10,000 and invested it in the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, your first year's income would have been higher, $749. Your final year income would have only been $283. And your final value would have only been $12,263. So your income would have actually gone down in retirement over 1976 to 2018. And um, it would have been chipped away by inflation significantly. So you can see that how the difference, um, uh, the different investment strategies work in your favor, especially when you invest in dividends. Conventional wisdom says that retirees should be out of equities and in the bond market for safe income. Well, let me provide you with an example of how I explain the dividend growth investing strategy in terms that sticks with most people. So if you are a real estate investor, looking to create for yourself a portfolio of real estate investments to live off of in retirement, you'd try over the years to buy properties at the lowest price you could, and you'd hold on to them while collecting rent to pay the expenses and live off the rest. So let's say you owned three 12-unit apartment buildings in 2018 when the real estate market crashed. Do you think you'd run out and sell the apartment building? Of course not. You'd keep collecting those rent payments every month and probably would even raise the rent each year like many landlords do. It's no different with these high-quality dividend-paying stocks. Sometimes the stock prices go up and down during regular market swings, just like real estate prices fluctuate up and down. Even during those market fluctuations, though, which can sometimes be very unnerving, you still get your dividends. In fact, many companies continue to increase those dividends during the down markets, just like a landlord increases rent during tough real estate markets. Remember the list I read earlier of the dividend aristocrats. 
Don't forget, investing involves risk, and understanding those risks is important before you invest. I encourage you to do your research before investing, and if you hire someone to do the investing for you, I hope you'll ask them what their strategy is. I hope you've enjoyed this maiden episode of the 401 Advisor Podcast, and if you did, I hope you'll subscribe so you get notifications of each episode. Also, I ask you to shoot me an email to 401advisor.com, that's jim at 401advisor.com, with comments or questions about money and investing. The plan for this podcast is to do one episode each week where I go over some aspect of financial planning or investing, and then a second episode where I will answer listeners' questions pertaining to retirement planning, insurance, investment, taxes, or anything pertaining to this topic. Occasionally, I'll also have guests on the show to discuss their views on money and the market. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.